Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions. Connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most interesting parts of finding out about missions for me has been the area of reading biographies and sometimes autobiographies of Christians, especially those that were missionaries. And uh, my life has been enriched by that so much. Uh, I, the first one that I can remember that really changed my life more than anything was through Gates of Splendor, which was about Jim Elliott and, and those other four missionaries that were in uh, South uh, America as they gave their lives to care of the gospel. Well, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and it's our joy to be with you today. And Nathan, uh, the biographies of these godly men, these godly women that have sacrificed so much to carry the gospel to unreached people groups, to people that needed to know, uh, has been a challenge to me about, Lord, am I willing? Would I be willing? Uh, so they, that story, those stories of truth really penetrate hearts, and I think sets people up, say, Lord, could you use me? Yeah, I think it's really important to read and hear stories of missionaries and read their read their uh, biographies or autobiographies, read their journals, and um, at least be familiar with some of their stories uh, for, the, for those reasons. Uh, I remember for me, one of the first missionary uh, biographies I, I read was about David Livingston. And you know, I still, you know, can remember uh, his story, and and so yeah, yeah. If you're listening, we want to encourage you to read missionary biographies, uh, learn learn some of. You could call it church history, if you will, or you yeah. could just call it um, uh, seeing where God was working through the years. And uh, but there's a lot of things you can uh, take from those stories and and apply in your own life. Going back in at Blue Mountain College, I took Bible and missions there and saw a lot of things, observed a lot, but again, had to read biographies. I should say got to read biographies. <laughs> uh, I had to read them for the you know class, but I got to do it because it really enriched my life. It changed my life. It encouraged me. It challenged me. So we believe, as Nathan said, if you could do that, you will be blessed. And there's so many. Uh, I can't help but think of William Carey starting out. He was the father of what we call modern missions. And listen, here, here he was, a cobbler, you know, and God touched his life and he changed the world. Yep. I mean, it's um, one thing as you read about these men and women who— uh, obeyed God's call in their life to go and make disciples um, is God used ad, average, ordinary, normal people, um, and he gave them uh, an extraordinary task, and he filled them with his extraordinary power uh, to accomplish that task. One thing, those 
of you that have studied American history or world history, what gets left out many times from the secular view is the missionaries that did the work. I uh, I was privileged to have my, uh, you know, some of my American history uh, taught by believers, and they interweaved uh, those, uh, I would say, those circuit-riding preachers that way, made their way through America to carry the gospel to to. Uh, everyone that was in their path, in their circuit. And so what we want to do today is we in, we introduced it that way, but the Apostle Paul, Nathan, when I see his life uh, and his willingness to go, uh, it started somewhere, though. And so it started in the book of Acts, chapter 7, where Stephen was preaching and preaching the gospel so strongly and uh, the Jewish culture, they were angry at him. And so they decided that they had had enough, especially when he uh, was talking about the resurrection and talking about Jesus and the sins. And it says they took up stones. And in chapter 758, it says, and they laid their clothes at a man, a young man at that point, Saul. Mm-hmm. He was responsible. He gave kind of the authority. He gave his approval. That was the first introduction we have of what we call the great apostle missionary Paul. He was Saul at that time, but that's when he was anti, anti-Christian anti in every way. Yeah, it's interesting. That's how you are introduced to uh, who most people would say be, would go on to become the, the greatest missionary uh, in history. Um, you're introduced to him as a, um, I guess, overseer or leader of a group of, in our vernacular today, we might call them terrorists. Um, you know, true. someone who is, is um, at least at the minimum, we would call them. Uh, he was like a chief persecutor uh, of of early Christians. Uh, so that's that's a not a very positive starting point. If, if you would say that. I know Paul had more in his background that we, as you read the Bible, as you uh, read Acts, Paul himself, his own words, he tells a little bit about his story, how he was trained, and uh, we knew a little bit about where he grew up. Um, but that's our first introduction. And, uh, you know, first impressions, uh, <laughs> you know, for God, um, don't seem to matter, does it? <laughs> it does not. Now, the good thing about it, he had to hear Stephen preach before yeah. he was stoned. Yeah. And he heard the gospel in a unique way, and it had to make a lasting impression because you always remember the last words somebody spoke, and Stephen, forgive them, you yeah. know? And so we find in chapter 8, following that, he went through just... I'm talking about persecuting the church in such unreal ways that it was horrible and and difficult. Listen to 8.1 of the book of Acts. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering houses, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. 
Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, complaining, no, <laughs> discouraged, no, but preaching the word. Yep. Wow. So God <laughs> used persecution that Saul was uh, behind and consenting to yep. to carry the gospel to more people. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to know that um, when we um, we hear the gospel in our own lives, if you think back when you first maybe heard it, um, you really only have um, two kind of scenarios to hear the gospel under. You're either hearing it under um, a freedom and a um, where there's um, probably a lack of persecution and and there's openness and there's freedom and you can hear the gospel that way. Um, most of us probably um, that are listening to this, that's probably our experience. But it's interesting to note uh, that for the most of the world, they actually hear the gospel under. Uh, difficult circumstances where there's not freedom to hear it and respond, where there's persecution if they are to respond to it. Um, and so that's, that's Paul was behind that sort of scenario for these believers um, hearing the gospel and then being scattered and then sharing the gospel. And um, yeah, I think it's, real, it's, it's, it's good for us to note that, I think, but it's also good to note that uh, the believers, these early Christians, were bold, and uh, they were they they'd gone all in with Jesus, not halfway. That's right. They were all in. Now, here's the interesting part, and I want you to react. I didn't say anything to uh, you about this when we were talking about kind of doing this as one of our teaching programs. God was using Saul, Paul, even when he was anti-church, anti-Christian, by scattering the believers because they carried the message with yeah. them. So Paul was being used of God, yeah. and him didn't even, he didn't even yeah. know. Unknown to him. Unknown to him. Yep. And uh, I, I find that true with individuals even today. I've observed people that, you know, it's what Joseph, his brother, said, you meant it unto me for harm, but God did it for good. Yeah. Some of the best tools in history that God has used to uh spread the good news of Jesus around have have been, um, let's, let's just call them evil dictators. You know, <laughs> God has used those people. Um, not that God is behind the evil that they intend or the uh, violence and, and harm that they bring, but God can use even the violence and the harm and the evil, and he can redeem it. And uh, for his own glory, as the gospel is spread through through persecution and, and Paul was one of those tools, one of those instruments before he he thought he was he thought he was on God's side. Yeah. And he was on God's side in a in a way that he didn't he didn't even know. Now what's going to happen in the book of Acts? Now Luke is the author of the book of Acts. I, I love Luke's writings. I I love Luke Acts. It's where Luke ends, Acts picks up and we find the gospel going all over the Roman Empire. But in chapter 9, there's a transition a little bit. Now, in 9 and 10, you have Paul and Peter both, uh, the stories being told. Before chapter 9, it's basically Peter that's the guy that's doing the preaching and taking the gospel. But after chapter 9, and then you come to 11 and following, 
uh, Luke follows Paul. Now, what happens in 9 is first the Damascus Road experience. Not everybody has that. Now, I know a lot of people that want that. That's They say, uh, I would love to have a Damascus Road experience. I'm not so sure people want that in reality, Nathan. No. um, It's probably uh, very traumatic, I guess is what we would say these days. Um, Before we get into that, just a thought struck me in that as you were talking about that transition in the book of Acts, as Luke is recording the events, how we transition from Peter-focused to Paul-focused for the rest of the book of Acts. Um, In that transition is also the transition of a a focus on Jewish background, uh, people coming to know Jesus and follow him, to Gentile um, background people following Jesus. It's that that transition as well. And and Paul fits into that transition um, because he was... Jewish all the way, uh, but he he became the uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. That is amazing. Now, what happens too? I can't help. I have a whole teaching on this. In the first few chapters, you hear the word multitude, multiply. the The Jews that were open to it, they were ready made audience. You know, yes. they they had they knew there was one God. They knew Messiah was coming. So. They had to say they had a believing uh, sort of background. They really did, say. and all they needed to do, and I say all, but it was a big deal, is is know Jesus was the Messiah, and he yes. was the suffering servant that Isaiah talked about, and not the conquering king that he will be one day. But when Paul was talking to the Gentiles, you're talking to people who believe there was many gods. Uh, they didn't know about a Messiah. I mean, you know, yeah. And and guess what? You don't find uh, you don't find multiplication, uh, you know, great numbers uh, with Paul as you did with Peter because right. Paul is working with different people. Anyway. Yeah, I found that true. Let me just get this, and this is a little bit uh, on record. Uh, people talk about the way things used to be, and it was amazing after World War uh, Two ended. Uh, Billy Graham comes on the scene, fills the stadiums. Thousands and thousands were saved in 1954. The denomination that that we're a part of, Southern Baptist, their theme was a million more in 54, talking about baptisms, and and that was happening. But then some things started happening. We're kind of living more like the world that Paul went into, like Ephesus and mm-hmm. Corinth, that was secular and even pagan. Yeah, that's that's more like the world that we're living in now, Nathan. Yeah. Absolutely. Very tribalistic, uh, where uh, truth is trivialized. And um, speaking of transitions, that's been a transition in the Western world of of from, from kind of a, what you would say, a Bible uh, literate yeah. background to biblical illiteracy. I mean, they taught the Bible in, in public schools, yeah. prayer, and it's not mm-hmm. there. And so, but we come to chapter uh, 9, and we're introduced to Paul on the Damascus Road experience. He is saved. Uh, God brings him out, but he tells him to go somewhere, and there's a person there named Ananias that God has spoken to about Saul. Now, I, I want this, I really believe this is a part of missions, that, yes, a person comes to Christ, and while that person comes to Christ, if people will obey the way Ananias obeyed, there'll be someone there to make that 
would you call it the first step into yeah. discipleship? Yeah, it's it's actually critically important for the first few hours of a new believer's life to have a um, a touch from a person who is uh, discipling them in in a way they don't necessarily have to be the same person who walks with them through the rest of their life, but they need a um, a pastoral. They need a um, a a strong biblical spirit led uh, influence early early early. I'm I'm speaking of really the first forty eight hours of a new believer's life. Once they make that decision to follow Jesus, they need some immediate follow up. Um, and it seems like God had that prepared for 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 Saul Paul as he met Ananias. And I could I could talk for the rest of our uh, time today on the ministry that Ananias provided in in simply just being open uh, to the Spirit leading him and welcoming uh, this former. And in, as far as I, Ananias knew, um, <laughs> recently, really recently, former persecutor in a, what we would say maybe a terrorist coming into his home. <laughs> he you said, Lord, I mean? <laughs> I, I'm putting it in my words, you know, Lord, you hadn't heard what I've heard <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> about this guy. But still, Ananias, uh, God was able to overcome that, that initial fear, and he was obedient, and um, he, he provided welcome, hospitality to, to Saul. And uh, we, we can only imagine, but imagine if he, he would have not been obedient. That, that's what I'm saying now. What happens is we know the end of the story about Paul's life. But if Ananias hadn't been there, would that have been the story? Uh, I, I, and I didn't hear people say, well, he had to use somebody else. I, I, I hear that, but I want to tell you, isn't it great for you to be the one God uses? Yeah. Wouldn't that, I mean, step up to the plate? That's right. Now, that's not the end of it. In this chapter, we find out that he's filled with the Spirit, with Ananias, and then he goes and starts teaching in verse 20 immediately. Now, he had a background that was different than most backgrounds yes. with Gamel. You're right? Yes, and he, so he was he, academic. Yeah, he had the knowledge, a lot of knowledge. Immediately, verse 20 of Acts 9, he preached the Christ in the synagogues and that he is a son of God. Now, I, I just want to tell you, after you have been saved and you've had that word of encouragement, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying you can answer all the questions that people give, but you can give a witness. You've yeah. you you have you've entered into that territory of missions, haven't you? Yeah, you might not know a lot, but you can share what you do know, and that's what Paul came came to know that that Jesus is the Son of God, and. Um, it says that they were astounded to hear. They they came to hear the the chief persecutor of Christians and talk about the work that's going on with that. And instead, he's reporting, "Hey, Jesus is the real deal. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God." I, I can't help but remember in my lifetime, Billy Graham and his crusades were awesome. Uh, got to attend one, and uh, but to watch on TV, and he'd usually have somebody there that God had brought out. And I remember Johnny Cash. Uh, now Johnny Cash was around her, but then he got saved, and Johnny Cash would come and share his testimony about what God had done. And so uh, I think you're right. They were looking for that. And notice verse 22. Yeah, Saul, I, was, I was hoping you're going to read Well, this. you go ahead and do no, that. No, you go okay. ahead. Okay. 
but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. He increased all the more. Yeah. My, my translation says grew more capable. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So in order to grow more capable, you got to get into the journey, haven't you? I mean, you got to, yeah. you got to be a part of it. You don't, uh, God didn't take him and just pour, uh, use a funnel and pour knowledge into his head. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to do this. So he witnesses to Jerusalem. Now, we're going to find out someone else, and we may have to make this into a two-part <laughs> study and uh, because this is going, we're, we're get, digging in. But I can't help but notice this. Uh, they plotted to kill him. Mm. I mean, you are talking about terrorists. They plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night. They was watching him to go in and out of Jerusalem, but the disciples took him by night and laid him down through the wall in a large basket. Now, you know, God provided a way of escape. You know that yeah. that scripture about if you're tempted, he'll provide a way. Uh, even in death, I... I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think you can trust God. I'm not saying you're invincible, but God had something else for Paul before this time was over, didn't he? Yeah, he he opened up, well, a, I guess a window. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, there wasn't maybe a door. There was an opening in the wall. That's what my translation says. I'm assuming that's a window um, that he, fall, uh, he gets let down out of this basket. And um, so if there's not a door open, there's a, window and there might be a basket that you have to get into but uh god will will uh, bring about his purposes in your life let me go back though since we're going to dig in yeah we're going to take a little time we didn't know we were going to do this Um, so it reminds me paul's uh initial um response paul's initial and we don't know exactly how much time he was spending here in damascus that's true Um, but you know it was it was fairly brief in his life but it was you know a at least a several weeks, right? Um, and so his response is very typical when you see someone who is an, an adult um, who is very um, coming from another faith background, and they're very uh, devoted to that faith, to that religion. And they hear the good news of Jesus, and they respond, and they put their trust in Jesus, they repent of their sins, and he saves them. Jesus gives salvation. And I've seen it many times. Immediately, that person is, they're emboldened. And they, they're focused on the truth that they've discovered that God has brought them into this new life. And they want to share with as many people as possible, especially their close family and friends around them, uh, their community. And that's what Paul was doing. He was going to the synagogue right. Right, to do this. That's the community he knew. And so they will be very, very, um, you could say radical, if you want to, about sharing the gospel. And they don't care what happens to them. They don't care if it comes off as being impolite or, or hurtful or, um, you know, speaking maybe negative about that former religion. Um, I'm not saying Paul did that here, but I've seen it many times. And so his response reminds that of, of that I've seen that. Um, just I, I'm thinking of a brother who um, was a Muslim. He came to follow Jesus, and immediately he started calling his friends and family back home, telling people in his local community about Jesus, until they had to shut him up and threaten him, uh, 
you know, from from speaking, and he didn't care. He was, and we had to kind of like hold him back a little bit to just keep him safe. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of that's that just stuck Amen. out to me. Well, it's true. The last thing I want to do in part one of this study of Paul is look at the other person he brings into his life. And and that's so important in missions. It's so important yep. in discipleship. And it says this, uh, when he had come to Jerusalem, this is uh, Acts 9, 26 and 27. When he had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I, I, you know, they had heard about him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They thought he was an undercover agent. Yeah. Yep. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. I just want to stop there. Barnabas, how important is he in mm. in the propagation of the gospel throughout yeah. the world? Yeah, absolutely. He he doesn't. He's a behind the scenes guy, so he doesn't get you know maybe all the credit um, that he might uh, deserve. But he gets a lot of credit for for even just seeing Paul uh, being shaped into the person he he becomes. Um, you know, just like we said, it was crucial and critical for Paul to meet Ananias, and it's just as critical and crucial that Paul would meet Barnabas here and have that uh, encouraging brother to stand beside him and to lift him up and um, to walk with him. I, I'm visualizing this, and people, I, you know, may not get it, but uh, Saul Paul is like a baton. Ananias runs it the first leg and now it's handed off to Barnabas yeah. to run the second leg of this race this relay race and that's not a bad uh, thought about the race cuz Paul would use that run the race that is set before us and so here is Barnabas at this point in time uh all the other disciples were afraid of him and he brought him straight to the apostles now uh, earlier, we had found out the saints had scattered, but the apostles had stayed in Jerusalem at this point in time. Yes. Uh, now, we've done a study about where all the apostles went, where we know they went, and where uh, we think they went. But here, they're still there. And this is the word, and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and out, and he spoke boldly of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they tried to kill him again. Yeah, He hadn't been saved a year, yeah. months. We're, we're probably into months yeah. now, and he's already been threatened with his life twice. Yep, there's that boldness in and unwillingness to back down and Barnabas steps up and re- refuses to back down as well and says you know this is this he he he's an advocate for for Paul he he's actually functioning like Jesus does as as our advocate the, as he sends the holy spirit amen uh, to to embolden us and make us strong and Barnabas was making Paul strong here your party missions may be an Ananias may be a Barnabas And that's important. we got to have them in order to have the Pauls. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we pray that God would use you and bless you as you carry the gospel, not only just across the street, but around the world. Thank you again for listening to Exploring Missions.